On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I have Olga Kirschenbaum. Olga is known as the money whisperer. She is a money coach that helps people overcome their mental blocks with money. You're going to want to listen to this one. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle the Day podcast. I am very excited to have Olga Kirschenbaum here with me today. Olga and I have went back a little bit. I've been on her podcast before, and you know what? She's an awesome individual. I had to have her on my podcast. So, Olga, why don't you jump in here and tell me a little bit about yourself? Thanks so much for having me on. Really excited. I am Olga Kirschenbaum. I am a money coach. My clients over the last two years have started calling me the money whisperer. Basically, I make complex money um, puzzles seem like they are a piece of cake to anyone who feels like money are not their not their deal. Money is not my language. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And you know, honestly, it, it seems like it could be something so simple, you know, just dollars and cents. And to, you know, my seven-year-old, it is very simple. But as you grow up and get involved in, you know, so many different aspects of money, it's it can be very complicated. So it's nice to have somebody around like you that can help break down those things uh, into more digestible bites. So I, I love that you've gotten the nickname, the money whisperer, and you know, you've run with that. I've noticed, you know, your profiles talk about it. Uh, what, what kind of background do you have that gives you the, the credit to be the money whisperer? Sure. So I actually spent 10 years as an accountant in corporate America. Uh, A bit of that was at a CPA firm, but that was, I'm a crazy person. I knew I wanted to be an accountant when I was graduating from high school. I had this misconception that there's a lot of math that goes on in there. Not true, but lucky for me, I went into the accounting degree and I realized I actually enjoy solving money puzzles. It's something that I was super excited about. Even when I was in high school, I was the go-to person for my friends, my family to kind of say, hey, here's a money question. I'm not sure what to do with it. I've always been savvy. People would see me saving. I had a part-time job in high school. And I kind of became that person people came to with money questions. In high school, I was graduating and a friend said, hey, I have this part-time job that's full-time in the summer. I don't want to focus on picking up extra shifts. I want to be okay with money and focus on my studies. How do I kind of project that? How do I make sure I have holiday money, spending cash, and still paying everything I have to be responsible for? We went over some basic tips of like, how do you do that? How do you budget for all that? Five years later, we she's like, hey, I have another question. I was like, sure, why not? She says, well, I actually saved the entirety of my student loans in these last five years. What do I do? Do I pay them off all in one go? Or do I just piecemeal it like everyone else? I said, are you crazy? Do you know how many of our friends would love to be like, hey, paid it off the day after I graduated? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I kind of combined the two, like this passion for solving money puzzles and um, learning so much when I was working corporate. And now I love kind of making that bridge for people who maybe 
just want to get their personal finances in order. Um, I also work with entrepreneurs and uh, freelancers, self-employed individuals, categories vary, but kind of helping people solve the money puzzles and figure out how money makes sense in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I noticed, you mentioned, you know, you work with entrepreneurs. And one thing I noticed on your website, you have a budget for freelancers. And, you know, it's so, to me, it's like budgets just don't make sense because, you know, one month is completely different from the next month to the next month. It's just all over the place. And so all these typical budget advice things that you see are based on, oh, you get this amount of money every two weeks. To me, that's pretty simple. But once you're all over the place in terms of income, that doesn't that doesn't uh, compute the same way. And so that's really awesome that you have that guide for somebody like myself. Absolutely. And that was inspired by someone I was talking to in the beginning, kind of talking about what I was starting this business I was going into. He happened to be a musician and he said, Hey, budgets always are hard because I go on tour. I won't get paid while I'm on tour. Things are kind of paid for. It's part of the tour budget. Mm -hmm. Then I will get paid, but it takes time to get paid. But when I get home, I have to pay for rent. I have to now pay for food. I have to have all these expenses coming out right away. And I was like, huh, you know, this is a massive problem. You know, he may be a musician, but there's so many people who are part-time employees, maybe their work is seasonal and it's not everyone has that same paycheck coming in every two weeks, 15 days, whatever it is. And that is really what kind of inspired that second template. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that resource is there, but you know, people are coming to you to talk about money. Not everybody is comfortable with that. So what is it that made you kind of proactively start talking about money to other people? I think it was kind of like the chicken and the egg situation here. I think the reason why these days I start money conversations is because I noticed how difficult it was to get people to talk about the money subject just in general. It wasn't like me pitching people. It was more like, if we're going to have a conversation about your services and how they can help me, I actually have to talk to you about my money fears. Um, and that's really terrifying for people. So I, and I love working with creatives. I tend to work mostly with creatives. So I found this pattern of people saying, I run away from it. I don't pay attention to it. I'll literally do anything to avoid it. <laughs> and But at the same time, they know they need that help. I think personally, this stems from a money talk stigma that most of us grow up with. It's not polite to talk about money. It's a taboo. Um, most people don't talk about it with their parents ever. And I believe not having those conversations is the reason why so many of us don't have the tools to actually go out there and be like, hey, I may be behind on this payment, but having the the script, being able to have that conversation and say, hey, this is what I want. This is 
it's not easy when you've never talked about money. So Mm -hmm. that's really what drives me to start those money conversations. That's why I started my podcast um, to kind of one show people it doesn't have to be so scary. I think the conversations we have, maybe they get a little uncomfortable. Some people share, you know, not so fun money stories, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it, it also shows people that they are not alone. So many people that I talk to will have this money shame on top of the money fears. And they'll say things like, everyone else has it going on, but me. And I should know better because that's what everyone says. Like, of course you should have a budget. Yeah, but no one is taught how to do it. And then in turn, because they're not doing it, there's this shame of like, well, I should know better. It seems so easy, but I don't know it. (laughs) And it's kind of like a vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I want to get back to your podcast here in a minute, but you talked a little bit about, you know, you had, you worked in corporate America. Um, You had, you know, this accounting background at what point and how did you decide, you know, I'm going to make this a full-time deal and make that jump? Yes. So I would say I'm like an accidental entrepreneur. On one side, I did get my MBA in entrepreneurship. So I knew I was going to do it one day. I don't think it was going to be this soon in my plans. My last job, I was let go. And I did some soul searching. So I had this pattern. I love, I loved being an accountant. It was so much fun. Not many people say that. I think it's it's riveting, it's thrilling, it's exciting. You solve money puzzles all day long. I think it's exciting. But I, and I would always work with a lot of creative people that, and they would fuel my passion for doing the numbers. And I would always find myself in these exciting companies, jobs on paper, great. And I wouldn't be fulfilled a year, year and a half in, and then I'd start finding something else and run away from that and go to a new thing that was shiny and new. And I realized the last couple of jobs were in this pattern of like, I'm going to run away, go to this thing and not really pay attention to like what's really bothering me there. When I got fired, it was, let's say I got fired on a Monday, Wednesday, walking into that week, I had another interview planned already. So like my foot was already out the door and I started thinking when I had all this time to finally sit down and be like, okay, there's clearly a pattern here. What's going on here? What am I going to do? And what is it that's missing? For me, what was missing was this people who tend to be managers, who tend to be directors, yes, they care about their numbers, but they don't have the time, they don't have the bandwidth to really get to know what's going on there, no matter how beneficial it is for them. That's just the truth. There's also this gap of like, I have an accounting job, I actually don't have the capacity to also teach them. But I really enjoyed collaborating with people who were incredibly talented individuals and helping them see those bits and then seeing how that can have business um, impact. It's beautiful. So that's really what I really, really loved. But that was what was missing. And my friends and family came to the rescue and they started saying things, you know, you do this. You're so great at this. 
it, it is natural for me. I love doing it. I could do it all day. I could have these conversations all day long. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, you know, maybe this is something I should explore. In the beginning, I thought it would be a side hustle. I didn't think it'd be a full-time thing. But I also went on this soul-searching journey where I'm confident the universe was like, this is, you need to go this route. You're not getting a job in the near future. It's just like every time things would happen, it was just, it was not in the stars for me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And here we are. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's a great story. I, I appreciate you sharing that with uh, with me. But I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things that where I feel like there is usually, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But you you are put in those situations for a reason, and you know, obviously with you, it sounds like there was that reason that you were let go, that you were now able to pursue helping those creatives, but also uh, satisfying that itch for solving the money puzzles. Uh, and then because it happens in entrepreneurship with everybody, what would you say was your biggest failure when you did go out on your own and what's something that you learned from it? I definitely didn't do enough planning and then I did too much. So I didn't do enough planning in the sense where I, part of it was because I think I wasn't expecting it to be like a fully bootstrapped company in the beginning. I, my attention was 50-50, like I'm going to look for a job, maybe it'll be part-time and dividing that time really didn't help. I wish that I just committed to being a money coach and seeing that through and like really go full in. But um, at the same time, I it was it was also thrilling. I have to say, I wouldn't recommend it for people. <laughs> um, it, it was also the failure of planning too much in the sense where I think a lot of entrepreneurs do this in the beginning, especially we start to think of things that we can do. That will mm -hmm. take a bunch of time just so we don't have to go and start doing those sales because sales aren't my forte. So for example, I spent three months planning my first, like, this is how I'm going to coach my clients. This is what it's going to look like. Even though I have like 10 years of experience doing this for my friends and family just post-college, I was doing it before, like 15 years at least at this point. And it's, I should have just gone with it. Instead, I spent three months planning something, all this time planning, had my first session. And I was like, well, 75% of that is getting scrapped. <laughs> <laughs> I, now, the question is, are we talking about you or are we talking about me? Because I, I think that's, that's me to a T. Um, really? I've, I've been in that exact same situation where it's like, all right plan, 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 plan. Let's, let's just step away from the sales for a little while. We've got to make sure this is hammered down. And then you get to the sales part and it's like, well, that was a waste of time. I just needed to jump yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things I think um, we all get into it in the beginning, especially. Um, I think part of the, it's kind of like a all encompassing learning experience where um, you have to go through those experiences to know that you shouldn't be doing it 
But mm-hmm. that's why I'm like, yeah, it's a failure, but it definitely set me up for better moving forward. Like now, if I have something new, I try not to plan it so much. Like obviously the logistics, how it gets executed, some things do need to be planned, but like don't spend three months planning something, especially if it's like, like me, I'm going to do this curriculum. And then after the first meeting, I was like, nope, it's not going to work like this at all. Three months wasted though. yeah so the the funny thing is i i was in this exact situation just recently uh before you know covid19 came along i was planning 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 to launch a course and then you know by the time this all happened it was like okay well that that actually doesn't really apply now that's kind of insensitive now that just you know i spent too much time planning to the point where it was well now i've got to start all over again uh but again that is a learning experience it is what you take out of it you know and now i now i've learned from that um but what was what would you say is a challenge that you never expected to happen when you went out on your own yeah you know i definitely didn't think i'd be doing as much marketing, advertising, content creation, as I thought I would. Um, I guess part of that is because times have changed. And these days, and I also did not think my business was going to be on online business. That's the other thing. Like, I, my journey started on LinkedIn. I was like, I'm going to do this soul searching thing. I read a book called Career Hacking for Millennials by Max Ultraler he talks about the power of LinkedIn. And I was like, light bulb moment. I think it doesn't matter what I want to do. Do I want to get a job? Do I want to do the side hustle? Do I want to be a full-time entrepreneur? There's so much power in LinkedIn because it's like this, you know, we are pretty far in the country, but we're getting to know each other. And there's like this collaboration. We're getting to know each other, how we're working together. And there's that's why people will come to you because they're like, mm-hmm. I know who Trent is. I know who Olga is. And that's the person that I want to work with. And it doesn't matter. Do they want to hire you to do something? Do they want you to be like a consultant? So mm-hmm. that's when I was like, hmm, I'm going to do that. But I didn't realize going into it like, okay, content needs to be exciting. You can't just put out the same thing over and over again you have to keep it exciting. You need to be on video. That was a challenge. And sometimes it still is a challenge. I have to say, I think um, with the pandemic and everything going on, sometimes it is harder to show up on camera. It's like, where am I going? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, being on camera is not uh, something that was a skill set of mine either. That's you know, something I've had to learn as well. And um, so I, I definitely can relate to, with you on that. But um, it's it's great that you're still going at it. You know, I've, I've talked to uh, a couple other uh, podcasts that I've been on where my message usually is one about consistency and persistence. And you know what, that's, that's really what this entrepreneurial journey is all about is, 
showing up even when you don't want to and, you know, having your goal and never giving up until you achieve that goal. And I've seen that in you and seen, you know, we, we connected through, I think it was Di Manuel who was on your, on your uh, podcast and he's just a genuine individual. And uh, you know, we've, gone through the the whole LinkedIn thing and he's like, you know what, Olga just gets LinkedIn. You need to talk to her about it. But the more I got to know you, it was like that was just surface level. It's like this is Olga's got so much to offer. We don't we don't even need to talk about LinkedIn. So um I I like that, you know, you brought that up. That's where that, you know, marketing side just just came in and um that's where you ex- you encountered that challenge of how much you had to work at that and work at that. And I, I understand. I I feel like some days it's, it's, you don't have any creative juices left and you've got to come up with something and to really make your product and your experience stand out. But I've, I've got to applaud you for still going at it, even in the midst of a pandemic and, uh, everything that's going on in the world today. So just want to say a, a long winded way of keep going. You're, you've got a lot to offer. And uh, I, I appreciate that we have connected over this time. Well, thank you so much. You know, um, it's one of those things I feel like every time you're like, man, it's getting harder and harder to show up. This is why I love LinkedIn and all the people that I connect on there with, because when you really need to hear it, like I actually really needed to hear that today. So thank you so much. <laughs> like sometimes it is hard to keep showing up. And, but I do have to say the way I dealt with that challenge also is thinking of ways where you can repurpose things, where you can, the podcast, like there are times that I may be posting just the podcast episodes every week. And, you know, Consistency is great, but I also think self-care is really, really huge. And if that means maybe you're not showing up every day for weeks and weeks, maybe it's three days a week. I think it's the most important part on LinkedIn, and that's why I feel like it's a little special for me. It's not just like the social media aspect. Yes, you can connect with all these people, but I feel like there's just such a natural way to create relationships on there that when, you know, I, if you don't post for a couple of days, people will be like, hey, first off, are you okay? Which is also nice. But also if something does come up, an opportunity, people will still be thinking about you. Um, Especially when you get that momentum and you keep being consistent, people are like, I know that person comes back. I know they're for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like you, like you mentioned, you know, self-care is still important as well, but you know, even if you take that needed time, the fact that you come back and still work at it after that is part of that consistency. And so, uh, what happens to some people, myself included, is you take that break and that's something you never revisit, you know, it's, you lose sight of the goal or something like that. As long as you have that goal still in mind that you need, that you come back to that when time is ready, then, then that's what's important. 
I think it's easy for me to come back after hiatus because my why is so, 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 so deep to me. Um, I feel like my, my life's duty is to go out there and show people that if you just make friends with the money in your life, everything else in your life is going to be magical. It's not going to solve all your problems, but it sure makes things a heck of a lot easier Mm -hmm. when you're not worrying about living paycheck to paycheck. And I think there's these misconceptions that people think if you live on a budget, you're taking away and it just doesn't have to be that way. And watching those transformations actually happen is it's a beautiful thing. Watching people have better relationship with their spouses, with their children, their business is doing better, manifesting money that they never thought was possible for the next three months, just having some sort of reframing happen. It And then it has ripple effects through everything. All of a sudden, they're feeling better. All of a sudden, they're excited to show up for those sales calls. And I feel like if I, I, I have to show up for those people because they kind of need me and I need them because it, it really just fuels me to watch these transformations because then it's like, what else is possible? What else can we do that will take you to even like you got to the next level? What's that next level after that? It's almost addicting, I guess. Yeah. And you know what? I could totally tell the, the tone and you know, your mannerisms, just changed completely when you talked about your why. So I can tell that is, you know, something that is deep rooted in you and something you are truly passionate about. That's, that's what's going to drive you back to, you know, doing what you need to do to get your message out there to more people to, you know, help them and also help you on your journey. That's, that's really awesome to just see that physical change as you talk about that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that you are offering to people is you've got your Shmoney Mastermind. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So I offer, a, uh, it's called the Shmoney Academy. It is a money mastermind. It is an eight week program where it's over Zoom calls. There are some things that I send to people every week where it's like topics that we'll be discussing over the next course of the uh, session. Um, one of the weeks, it's one-on-one halfway through because I believe it's super important for people to go through the process and get a money toolkit. But at the same time, in, like we just talked about my why and my why drives me so much, you need to kind of figure out what your why is. It doesn't have to be such big picture as I just described it. But knowing why you're doing this and what your goals are actually just helps you. Um, So uh, the other part is having money conversations with people who a lot of the time they're strangers. Um, Basically, you're talking about maybe money fears that you've had, but having these conversations with a group of people, it's a small group of people. It tends to be um, right now I have one that's running that's only two people. Sometimes it goes up to five. Um, But having these different 
mindsets, these different money ideas, they also begin to learn from each other and not just from themselves. Mm-hmm. It's It breaks down the money talk stigma. Um, people sometimes have really emotional conversations that maybe they even aren't comfortable talking about with their spouses. Sometimes it's things they've avoided for decades, but it's really to kind of get you sorted with whatever your money goals are and get it to fit your budget and make sure that when you are following a budget, you don't feel like you're taking away from yourself. You're not um, being hard on yourself. It, if you have a why, you can make it work. You just kind, Most people just kind of need a little bit of a tweaking on what they're doing. Half the stuff is already there. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an eight-week program. Um, I'm going to be offering it to businesses starting July. Basically, um, any small business with up to 10 employees, I'm going to be working with them to facilitate Shmoney Academy for their employees to kind of help their employees get their personal finances in order. I know that there are financial institutions who do this for their C-suite level executives. They'll say, you know, if someone has their personal money in order, they will show up better. They will perform better. They will be happier. It's a no-brainer for them. So hopefully people will enjoy this for their employees as well. That's very cool. Yeah, I didn't even think about, uh, you know, the employees having their financial house in order allows them to be better workers, but I, I can speak from experience when I'm, you know, have things more secure, I'm working better. Um, you know, that's, I didn't even think of that, but like you said, reframing these things can open your mind to a world of possibilities. Um, and in all aspects of, of money. So you, you're primarily a money coach. We talked a little bit about the, the Shmoney Academy, but what what else do you do for individuals and businesses? Sure. So um, I also do one-on-one coaching. Uh, I, I do it with individuals and business owners. It's I'd say it, there's similarities, but with business owners, it tends to be with self-employed individuals, freelancers, uh, people who are really managing their businesses' money, and they have some money blocks that they we carry everything from our personal life into our business. People who say business is a separate thing, personally, I think they're kidding themselves. There's no way that you can have money blocks start a business and not carry those money blocks into your business. For example, I found out through my journey, I am an aggressive saver. I do this in my personal life. I do it in my business. There's always tips that you can, once you know that thing, you can address it. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So what what would you say are some of the most common money mistakes that you see both personally and with business owners? With business owners, I think this is, um, I don't think it's specific to creatives, but because I work with uh, mostly creatives, I see this very often. They will avoid it. Like if you can imagine an ostrich with its head in the sand, that's what many of them tend to do. Unfortunately, though, avoiding it kind of snowballs out of control. I have seen 
businesses of 10 years, successful businesses just not address the money situation. And it didn't become an issue until, you know, there are taxes that haven't been filed. All of a sudden, you can't issue your 1099s for your contractors. And like anyone who's listening to this and is not a money person, I hear them shudder right now. It's not fun. (laughs) I get it. But this impact of like the ripple effect, why I love doing this so much, because it can fix relationships and it can do so much good. It also can do just as much damage. Like I've seen businesses that are successful crumble, lose their clients because now this has become such a big thing for the partners to deal with, for anyone involved. Now all of a sudden people don't want to work with you because you're impacting their taxes because you don't have your stuff in order. Then marriages fall apart because now you're like putting a livelihood on the line for the whole family and you're not addressing it. And I would say that is one of the biggest things I see. Um, but it doesn't have to be so scary. So I would just say if you're feeling like it's kind of spinning out of control, it's never too late Too late to actually go talk to someone and say, hey, where do I even start? Sometimes people will help you just diagnose a problem. They'll tell you, hey, this is what you got to do. And you can decide what's right for you. But that knowledge is everything. With people, I would say one of the biggest things there's two big recurring things. One, people don't budget um, because they have these notions of you're going to live without or um, it's just, it means being hard on yourself um, and also using your bank account balance as the pulse on your money. Um, Most often people will have money on their credit cards that's spent. Um, They're not going to be including that. And basically it doesn't show you a true number of what's happening. So you kind of have a pulse, but it's not real. And half of the time you have a lot less money than you think you do. Um, I'd say those three are like the top ones that I see between businesses and individuals. Yeah, I can, I can see that, you know, that's, I've, I've probably been in all those situations, you know, <laughs> there's been times where I've stuck my head in the sand and, you know, there's times where I use the checking account as the pulse on, you know, how things are going. And uh, so I'm glad that you're out there sharing that information and helping people get their mind right. And uh, also yeah. no shame in that. Mm-hmm. I have been there. As an accountant, I hate doing my books because that's not my job now. You know, now I teach people how to confront these things. So I think it was also important for me to go through that myself. It's like, hmm, first six months that I was in business, I was like, I'm not going to have that many expenses. I will just, you know, I'll remember them. Yeah, right. Um, I will just catch up at the end of the year when I have to do my taxes. I maybe did three months of the of the six that I was in business first year. And then I had to do my taxes. And then I spent six hours doing catch up work. And I was like, I hate this. I hate this so much. What are you doing? You're an accountant. You should know better. I was like, you know what? You're also skilled at like streamlining this. Now it's not, it's a no brainer. I have like a system in place. I don't even have to think about it, but 
we all have been there. Also bootstrapping a business. I've been there. I've checked my, my money like, hmm, I'm just going to look at the balance because there's bigger things going on. I'm not sure I'm ready to face them. Denial is a big thing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, so jumping back to your podcast, you're, you're kind of helping break down the, the stigma of the, the money conversations uh, with your nine minutes of creative wisdom. And uh, you talk to a number of impressive individuals, myself not included. Uh, but <laughs> what, so for my audience that does have a podcast, how is it that you find some of these incredible guests that you've had? I think some of them, I got lucky. So um, I remember getting an invitation to connect from a former NFL player. And I was like, am I getting catfished? I actually <laughs> like, I did a lot of research on his account. I was like, this can't be real. Why would a former NFL player want to connect with me? But he's a financial planner and he was connecting with people in our field. And that's how I ended up having Jedediah Collins on my, on my show. Um, Steve Sims, I joined his newsletter um, I kind of would respond once in a while and say like, Hey, really enjoyed this. Most of the time it was his team. And then one time he responded and I was like, sweet. Now I have Steve's email and I sometimes go and do crazy things. I can't tell you the number of people that I've reached out to that just never gone back to me, but I'm like, Hey, listen, sometimes these people will respond and they will get back to you. And all of a sudden, you're talking to Steve Sims on your show. Um, I would say don't let it. Um, they're just people. And sometimes it's just a little bit of luck. Maybe they'll read it. Maybe they won't. Um, I have another former NFL player coming on. Um, sometimes you just have to go out there and be like, hey, I think you'd be great. Um, I tell people why they think they would be great for the show. Um, Sometimes it's because I personally admire them. Sometimes I think they have a story that could really inspire the audience. And I think what's really been helping lately is to also send, um, it's so easy to say like, hey, come be on my podcast, Nine Minutes of Creative Wisdom. And the person now has homework to do. They have to mm -hmm. look it up and what, what episode am I going to look for? I tried to find an episode that would be interesting to them. So for example, if I'm going to be talking to someone like Di, I would pick someone in the same field, someone who has a similar energy level. And that way he'll be like, oh, someone like me was on the show. I vibe with this. And then they'll be more likely to come on your show. If someone's like, um, owns a video production company, or a videographer, those people in like the video section, it's like, hey, all these people could be, they're kind of like, um, I don't want to say bait, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a good end because they can relate to them. I think if I sent the NFL player episodes to some of the women, they'd be like, who cares? <laughs> so I try to kind of cater my invitations. I also, try to use my current, like I, I'm still, uh, I would say small fish. 
and I don't automate as many things as I know I will in the future as I grow. So I try to kind of use this as an opportunity to kind of foster those relationships. So I know I can reach out to them. And instead of sending them this like generic thing that I'm going to copy and paste to people, I try to make it personal because honestly, I think everyone is also a little tired of the generic, non-personal. They want to feel special. So I try to kind of mix it up kind of like, you know, maybe I'll get lucky, but also I try to put a little strategy to it so that when I am saying, hey, I think you'd be great for the show, I'm also sending them something from the show that gives them a good idea and hopefully it'll resonate with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's some fantastic advice. Uh, something that I'll be going back through and writing notes on to get guests on on this podcast in the future. So <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate that. Uh, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but I've got, you know, just two questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, what, since it is the hustle of the day podcast, what is your personal definition of the word hustle? You know, I think it would probably be the opposite of what most people think hustle is. I think most people think it's like, run, 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 grind, grind, grind. For me, hustle is actually about balance. I don't think that I could hustle without like my me time, without my self-care time. I spend about two hours every morning um, meditating, doing yoga, um, reading, because I don't make enough time for it, and journaling. It's like a must for me. Without those things, hustling before, like coming in, grinding every day, not always seeing progress was really difficult. But now that I have these things and I can kind of check those boxes off, like, hey, maybe today kind of sucked, but I got those four things out of the way and they were good for me. That allows me to continue hustling every week. So I think for me, hustle is all about balance. Awesome. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And that's definitely been, you know, a consistent theme is hustle used to mean something different five years ago. Now yeah. it is a completely different thing. And each person has their own definition. on, it, And that's why I asked that question, because no two answers have been exactly the same. So I, I appreciate your perspective on that. And I definitely agree with it. So last question I want to ask you, though, is personal or business, what is it that excites Olga about the future? I think all of the possibilities. I think um, it's a weird thing to say, I think, considering the times, everything that's going on. But I um, do believe that especially painful moments in our life are transition periods and they're there, obviously, there could be things ending and things changing. Change is not fun, but it also allows room for new opportunities and growth. And that's what really what I'm excited about. I think there's going to be a lot of changes in society. There's going to be changes in kind of everything. I think life as we know it is changing in the next couple of years, <laughs> not in a drastic sense like, you know, doomsday or terminator days are coming but i right. think things are going to be changing on a large scale and i'm excited to see what kind of opportunities that means for people like us for entrepreneurs i think things have changed so much and things have sped up 
considering um, the pandemic that it, I'm very excited to see what kind of things people come up with, what people create. And I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's going to be a lot changing and a lot of exciting things coming out of it. And so that's, that's awesome. Where's, where's the best place for people to get in contact with you and find you if they want more information from you? Absolutely. The best place to contact me is uh, on LinkedIn, Olga Kirschenbaum, or my blog, which is ragstorichesconsulting.com. Perfect. And I'll put links to those in the show description below. But Olga, I want to say thank you. I appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, and, you know, to talk to me and keep this uh, relationship going so we can, you know, help each other out here in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much again for having me on. It was a lot of fun. No problem. Well, I know I've gotten value out of this, so I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you to get out there and hustle the day. Thanks for listening to the Hustle the Day podcast all the way through. I really appreciate that. I just want to let you know that I help small businesses with their online strategy. So if you or anyone that you know needs help with their online strategy and owns a small business, I'm your guy. Go ahead and connect with me at Trent V. Bray on Instagram or TrentVBray.com.